Hello, my name is Dean Bobar, and I am the Adult Life Minister at Christ Pacific Church in Huntington Beach, California. As a church, we are seeking to cultivate a vibrant community of faith, hope, and love that follows Jesus into the world so our neighbors may also experience God's goodness. You're listening to our Year in the Bible podcast. If you'd like to learn more about us or to subscribe to this podcast, visit us at cpchb.org. If you receive four pieces of mail in the morning, you will read each one depending on what kind of mail it is. You might receive a utility bill, an advertisement from a local realtor, a thank you note from your niece, and an update letter from a missionary that you support. Now, if these letters are from with your own culture, you will instinctively know how to read them and that you would need to read each one of them differently. But imagine that you didn't know the culture in which your mail came from, and you actually believed the promotional mail that read, this exclusive offer is just for you. You see, knowing where the mail came from and what kind of mail it is helps you to read it appropriately and to understand what its intention actually is. Now, the Bible is from a vastly different culture than our own. So, Understanding it, reading it well, requires that we pay some attention to the Bible's culture, which is so different from our own. So, with time and attention given to the world of the Bible, we will begin to understand the Bible's culture almost as well as we understand our own, in fact. We can read the Bible as well as we are able to read our own mail but that takes time and attention to the Bible's culture. Now, like the variety of our mail, the Bible also includes various types of literature, each which has its own set of reading rules. Now, it's obvious that we would not read, Thou shall not murder, the same way that we would read Psalm 104, verse 3, which says, You make the clouds your chariot. You ride on the wings of the wind. I'm fairly certain that we won't see God riding horseback on the afternoon's cumulus clouds. Yet I'm certain that the sixth commandment means exactly what it says on the surface. So recognizing the various types of literature within the Bible helps us to understand it as it was intended to be understood. So, what is the Bible? Well, I'm going to try to begin to answer that question by giving kind of an overview of the Bible, along with a few important characteristics about it. So, here we go. First of all, the Bible is a history, and therefore, it's interested in what actually happened. Now, we call these facts. And like any history, the biblical history tells a story for a particular purpose, from a particular perspective, and to a particular people. So let's talk a little bit more about the story aspect of the Bible's history. So story. All good history is storied. Otherwise, it's simply a list of events and dates. 
It turns out that modern scholarship has done us a real favor in showing us that no history telling is objective, purely speaking. Now, that doesn't mean that it's not true. It just means it's history from a particular perspective. Now, it's unfortunate when the Bible is seen as a rule book for how to live. Yet this is often how it is treated. Now, to be certain, there are rules for faithful living included in the good book, like thou shalt not murder and do unto others as I have done unto you. But to see the Bible as merely this, a rule book for how to live, is to utterly disrespect the Holy Scriptures. Now, I've said that very strongly on purpose. A rule book view is a misunderstanding of the Bible, and to use it that way is ultimately to disrespect the Word of God. I'm so grateful God's Word comes to us in the form of a grand story for this reason. Story is so much more beautiful, so much more compelling, so much more powerful than a list of do's and don'ts. The story that the Bible tells us has four acts— creation, fall, redemption, and restoration. So let's consider each of those four acts just briefly. First of all, act one, creation. God's story begins with the words, in the beginning, God created. So we learn right away that God is the master architect, the master engineer, the master builder, and the master maintenance contractor of the whole cosmos, and that in fact it is all very good. Then act two, fall. Things take a tragic turn when God's image bearers, that's you and me, decide to pursue independence from God rather than relationship with God. And this pursuit of independence from God has characterized humanity ever since those first fateful days. While humans were intended to represent God's good rule on earth, our insistence to go our own way has actually resulted in the colossal disintegration of God's good creation. Act 3 redemption. Now, although creation has taken a turn for the worse, thanks to us, God does not give up on his handiwork. So God calls Abraham and Sarah, he blesses them, and he promises to bless all the families of the earth through them. Thus begins God's work to redeem what had been tragically broken. Over and over again in the story, God pursues his people, sending them prophets and priests and kings to direct their path. And over and over again, his people push him out. Ultimately, God sends his own son, Jesus of Nazareth, who is the great prophet, the king of kings, and the great high priest. Finally, one who will ultimately redeem us and all of the cosmos. Act 4, Restoration. God's story is still being written, 
And you are invited to be an active participant in this chapter of God's story. Now, the story does have an end, a glorious end. What God set in motion in Jesus Christ, the coming of his kingdom, that will ultimately come to pass in all of its fullness. The kingdom of peace and justice and wholeness will finally be fully realized and established. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and King. So the story does have an end. But until that day comes, you and I get to be agents of restoration in all of God's creation. This is phenomenal. God chooses us through whom he chooses us to be people through whom he affects restoration. The restoration of broken lives, the restoration of broken relationships, the restoration of broken ecosystems, the restoration of broken families, of broken governments, of broken cities, of broken economies, of broken hearts. I mean, how cool is this? You and I get to participate in God's great act of restoration. So good. So that's just a brief outline of the grand story given to us in the Bible. So let's get back to the Bible itself. As I said, it is a story for a particular purpose, from a particular perspective, and to a particular people. Let's talk about those particularities. First of all, purpose. The Bible has a purpose, and that purpose is to reveal. The Bible reveals who God is who we are, and what life with God looks like. For example, the purpose of Genesis is to reveal the who and the why of creation. In other words, a whodunit and what's it for. Now, if we read Genesis knowing that this is its purpose, we'll be able to see more clearly what is being revealed to us. If we read Genesis as if its purpose were similar to the purpose of our high school chemistry textbook, then we are likely to miss God's reveal. Or consider the gospel according to John. He's super upfront and just tells us, These are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing you may have life in his name. That's John chapter 20, verse 31. This is why John always refers to the miracles of Jesus as signs. What do signs do? They point to something else. They point, uh, the, the point of Jesus' signs is to show us that he is the Messiah, the Son of God, so that we will get on board with that and begin to live life in his name. The Bible comes to us with a specific purpose, and its primary purpose is to reveal God to us. The Bible also has a particular perspective. That perspective is that Scripture is God's word to us. These are not merely words. These are God's word to us. Now, that might seem painfully obvious, but it's often forgotten, especially when we dissect God's word. 
The Bible is a tool in the hands of God to communicate his redemption story to us and to invite us into that story. The biblical perspective is that God speaks to us and he has done that authoritatively in the scriptures. Now, the Bible is also written to a particular people, a particular audience. This is true of any story. We don't always know who those people were, but oftentimes we do. For example, you may have noticed that Kings and Chronicles are two versions of the same story. Why the repeat? Why does the Bible, the Bible tell us the same story twice? Well, the answer is that First and Second Kings was written for Israel under God's punishment after the fall of Jerusalem. Those were the people to whom First and Second Kings were written. While First and Second Chronicles was written for Israel about a hundred years later, when God had begun to restore them. They were in a different phase of history. And the different people for whom these books were written needed to hear different insights. They needed to hear the story from a different perspective. So knowing something about the people to whom the various books in the Bible were written will help us understand more of what the book is designed to convey. Now, it's important that you understand the mail that you receive from the U.S. Postal Service. You don't want to respond to your niece's letter as if it were a utility bill. Although she may appreciate the check, it might be a little confusing. You also don't want to respond to a credit card offer as if it were a bill. Now, if it's important to understand our mail, how much more important is it to understand the love letter given to us by the living God? That's what I would call scripture. Keeping in mind this grand storyline of creation, fall, redemption, restoration, that will help you better hear God's word as God intended you to hear him speak. And understanding a bit about the Bible's purpose, its perspective, and the particular people to whom its books were written These things will also help you hear God speak more clearly through his word. And the whole reason we read God's word is to hear God speak. So as you continue to dive in, may you increasingly hear God speak to you through his word. Friends, I'm with you on this journey of faith as we listen to and grow to love even more the living God. Thanks so much for joining us for our Year in the Bible podcast. If you'd like to hear more about our Year in the Bible campaign to subscribe or learn how you can become engaged with us as a church, please visit us at cpchb.org.